Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And uh, we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. And I think the last class I was uh, just sharing about uh, the passage in Genesis chapter 15 and <clears throat> excuse me, emphasizing the word brought, or excuse me, brought him forth, the word forth. Uh, the way it's used there. Let me let me see. Let me try to look at it real quick. Yeah, and uh, brought where it says, and he brought, and the Lord brought Abram, brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall seed be. And I'm still looking at that term, forth, which is, uh, once again, Strong's number 3318. And uh, I guess we can go ahead and just read a basic definition of it. Uh, primitive root, to go, causatively bring out in a great variety of applications, literally and, and figuratively, direct and proxim. And that's basically Strong's definition. But what's been really just, I guess, gathered in my heart of the Lord, just really impressed on my heart of the Lord, is that um, and I, I've, I've got a different um, board. I'm not using the other diagram because I really want, I really want us to see something. And I, I was thinking about it, just looking at a map. And looking at a map, we can get caught up because usually a map uh, has to do with a location on this planet, a location on this earth, on the natural earth, the dirt, the ground. But, and I know that I've, I've kind of uh, used this particular diagram in a previous class or one of the previous classes of this series. But uh, I want to just use it again because I don't want us to get caught up in the fact or in a thought, not in the fact, but in a thought that the Lord wants to bring us from one location to another location, from one place to another place. Or you can look at it like this, from one city to another city, or from one state to another, another state, or from one country to another country. Uh, no, no, that, that's not the case. Once the soul is born again, it is brought into the very presence of God himself because the very presence of God himself, Christ, has appeared in the soul. Christ himself has appeared in the soul. There is a union now. There is, uh, God is now present. And I'm uh, we've got several verses. One of the verses that I'll just go ahead and, and read, which I'm going to read again towards the end. But um, excuse me, I want to go ahead and read it. Read it right now. It's uh, Colossians three verses one through four. If you then be risen with Christ, like he, right here, Paul's speaking to the church. He's speaking to those who are are. A-R-E, who are born again, who are born of the Spirit, who are birthed of Christ. 
right? If you then, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek that which is above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, place your affection on that which is above, not on that which is on the earth, below. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Or shall, it shall be made apparent that you are now found, I guess you could say, in glory, because glory himself, Christ himself, is found in the soul. You're found, the soul is now found in a state, in a condition of glory, because the glory of God, who Christ is, is present in the soul of the one who's born again. And everything that I'm speaking during these classes is geared towards those who are born again. Now, if, if, if you're not born again, if you're an unbeliever, you must be born again. All right? That, that's just the fact. Uh, if you're not born again, Christ is not present in your soul. So, none of this applies. But, if you are born again, Christ is present in your soul. So, then it completely applies. It totally applies. So, once again, I, I know you you guys have seen this diagram before. Let's call it the Eternal Cross. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. And then, how shall I do this? Sorry, it's my bad drawing of a person. Explain it just in one second. All right. The eternal cross. That which is above, that which is below. Above, which is eternal, Christ himself. Below, within time, in time. These natural bodies are found in time. They come and they go with time. All right. At the moment of new birth, Christ, who is the glory of God, appears in the soul. At that moment, because Christ is present in the soul, now that soul is found in union with God. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, we don't we don't act like it. We don't think like it. We, we, we think other things because of this right here. Because of this little veil. I don't know if you can see that. The diagram that we put out uh, for the class will look a whole lot better. This little dashed square 
It's not apparent to us because the glory of God is hid from the natural eye and there remains a veil over our heart that cannot behold the glory that is present. Okay? This is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And Paul is saying, seeing then you are risen with Christ, seek that which is above where Christ is at the right hand of God. Seek above, not below. For your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear. And how, when, when, how, does she, how, how does he appear? When does this happen? When the heart turns to the Lord. At this moment right here with our diagram, we have man, you know, looking at the bottom uh, with his natural eyes. He's looking at everything below. Therefore, it's not apparent. He doesn't see the Lord. He does does not see the glory of the Lord that is present filling his soul. He sees everything else. Everything else that would appear contrary to reality. And I say reality because Christ himself is the reality of God. Christ himself dwelling in the soul. But everything we see with our natural eyes is contrary to that. Well, I don't see it. Well, I don't see it in me. I don't see it in you. Well, you will never see it. You'll never see it below. You'll never see it on the earth. Above, above, above. And not above like somewhere in the sky. You know, still in the natural realm. No, above like superior, above the natural realm. Uh, John the Baptist said, we're from beneath. He's from above. He is above. Outside of the natural not bound by the natural. Okay, and and this is basically where I wanted to go with our diagram. We all remember that uh, Abram, I'll just use it kind of right here. Abram was in Ur. Actually, I'd have to put Ur over here or put the... never done this diagram like this. So, it's all different. That's okay. We still think linear. I still think linear. Okay, so Abram's in Ur, the Chaldees. Alright? The God of glory appears. Now he's no longer in Ur. He is in... uh, Haran. But everything's changed. Once the God of glory appears, everything has changed. Well, the Lord says, okay, now come on to uh, Canaan. Let's just put Canaan over here. All right. And we see all this and we look at that and see all these places, all these locations were on a physical earth. You could, you could and you can Go to a physical Ur in Mesopotamia, touch it with your hand and your finger and say, yes, this is real. You can go to a physical Haran city, stomp your foot there. Yep, this is real. You can take another trip and you can wind up in the land of Canaan and you can look all around, look at the trees, punch the trees, kick your foot on the ground and say, yes, this is real. But it is all 
below. In Genesis 15, I think it was our last class, Abram was considering what was below and therefore he brought it to the Lord's attention. I see no seed. All I see is uh, Eliezer, my chief servant, because I see no seed. And Abram wasn't complaining to the Lord. He was stating the obvious. He was stating his unrighteous judgment to some degree on the earth. But see, what does the Lord do? The Lord, the Lord what he does is not in response to what's happening in Abram's heart. It's, it's kind of like God, God doesn't wait until man messes up and then God has to do something to fix it. No, he doesn't do that. The Lord continually declares purpose the same every step of the way. From beginning to end, he declares purpose. Let's go ahead and uh, just read that. Genesis 15. I've got a printout here, but it's in Spanish, so it wouldn't do you all much good. Uh, It says, After these things, the word of the Lord uh, came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. I am thy exceedingly great reward. I am. I am. All right? And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house uh, is this Eliezer of Damascus. I love this. And behold, uh, and, and Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Because there is going to be a beautiful testimony of the Father and the Son. Verse 5, And the Lord brought Abram forth abroad. The Lord did this. The Lord brought him. The Lord did what Abram could not do and said, Look now toward heaven. Colossians chapter 3, we just read it, 1 through 4. Look now toward the heavens, toward heaven. See, Abram could have been, could have, I say that, could have, been caught up with what was going down here on Canaan natural land. Now, we have been been saying this during our class, Canaan is a type of the soul, the the land that was promised of God for the seed, for the son, for as an inheritance for his son. All right? But Canaan is also a literal place on this planet. As, As I stated before, you can go, you can literally take a trip to Canaan Stomp your foot on the ground and say, yes, this is real. Well, the Lord brought him forth abroad. The Lord brought him out of this. Now, you're saying, well, I thought that happens at the moment of new birth. It does. But once again, where is the heart 
abiding. Uh, Jesus said this, and it's in several places. It's an issue of the heart in the Old Testament. You can see it. Uh, the Lord, I think it's in uh, Isaiah. He says, "This people they honor me with their with their lips, with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me." It's an issue of the heart. <clears throat> All right. So. Though Abram is out in reality from the moment of new birth, his heart remains to some degree considering considering what is below. Unlike the writer of Hebrews, consider him, consider Jesus. And see that? That, that's foreign to us. We consider everything else. We consider ourselves, uh, what God promised He would do, involving us. We, we consider everything, but it takes God Himself to consider Christ, to consider Jesus. So it says, the Lord brought Him forth abroad, brought Him out of this, brought His heart out of all this, out of the earth, out, 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 and it goes on to say, and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars. Count the stars if you're able to count them, to number them. And he said, unto him, so shall the seed be. Basically, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. And it's not a one-time thing. No, this is, this is the walk of faith. The continual lifting up of the eyes. Because in the lifting up of the eyes, and it's not the natural eyes, the eyes of the heart, the eyes of the understanding. In the lifting up of the eyes, for the one who's born again, they behold the Lord who fills, once again our verse, heaven and earth. In Galatians, uh, Paul said it this way, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, here we go, new birth, called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. The Colossians verse, <clears throat> once again, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Then everything else will be apparent of who's present. And that's really all that matters. See, until that time, we think we are present and God is somewhere far off. But for the born-again believer, that's not reality. That's not the truth. Why? Because reality, Christ himself, the truth, Christ himself, is present in the soul from the moment of new birth. The thing is, our heart does not abide in the truth. Our heart abides in everything else. But it takes the Lord to bring him forth abroad to declare, lift up now, line eyes, lift up, look now towards the heavens. The heavens opened, what is there to behold? The one who fills heaven. When you behold the one who fills heaven, you also behold the one who fills the earth. When that happens, at that very moment, you can, you can say, um, just as Paul said it, but when it pleased God, separated me from my mother's womb, Call me by his grace, and then it says this, to reveal his son in me. 
then there is no veil of ignorance over the heart. No. Why? Because the heart at that moment or actually I should use green kind of representing understanding I guess or wisdom is beholding him who is above. Not him who is on the top. No, him who is above. Him who is truth. Him who, who is reality. Him who is glory. This is all that it's about. All right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So, we've got that going on in this chapter. It's really beautiful. <clears throat> all right. Now, um, what I did want did want to share also because this is the whole issue from beginning to end. It's, it is about beholding Him who is present. For the born-again believer, Christ is present. So how can you be, if you're not born again, how can you behold Him who is present if He's not present? He must be present, therefore you must be born again, that Christ may appear in the soul. All right? To have His appearing. Okay? Now, um, excuse me, I've got chalk on my hands. <clears throat> I want us to look at another passage because this is what it is all about from beginning to end. And those who, to whatever degree, were brought to this purpose by the Lord continued in this very purpose. Now, <clears throat> I do want to say this. With Abram, it is type, it is shadow because it says that he saw the place from afar off. He saw from afar off. Literally, God was one place, He was in another, but it is a testimony. First and foremost, Abram is a testimony of Christ coming to the inheritance to take, to, to take possession of that which is of His, to lay hold of that which is of His. And also, Abram is a type of a believer in whom Christ dwells, coming to the purpose for which God created the soul. All right, <clears throat> And you can say, oh, okay, so now it all revolves around the believer. No, no, no. When the Lord appears, once again, just like Joshua, the Lord spoke to Joshua, who's a type of Christ, the head, any place you set your foot in the land, I've given it unto thee. But he had already given them the land. The land is already theirs. Ah, but every place, any place where Joshua appears in the land, that's where Joshua governs. And see, that's the difference. That's, that's the difference. It is the supreme exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the soul of man, in the heart of man, where he is present. It's like, uh, once again, with David. David was anointed king of Israel long before Israel ever knew it and could ever acknowledge that he was the king. And that's the way it is with us. <clears throat> Till the Lord reveals the one who's present, we just think it's all about us. All right. But I do want to read this next uh, passage. It's in uh, Exodus chapter 33. It's just the whole chapter, actually. And it has to do kind of with the same. And really, it is with the same. And, and you're going to see it right here. Uh, during this situation in, in like verses uh, 1 through 6. 
Israel's having a tough go of things. They're, they're, uh, they're just having a tough time. All right? Their hearts are abiding everywhere but above. Okay? Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Verse 3, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Verse 4, And when the people heard these evil things, uh, excuse me, these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. He didn't dress up. They just going Sad face. Uh, verse 5. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what uh, to do unto thee. Verse 6. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. So as I said, they're having a tough go of things right here, the children of Israel. All right. Verse 7. <clears throat> I love this. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, far off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord, and it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord, or anyone who sought the Lord, went out. And uh, the term went out is Strong's number 3318. Uh, I guess it's Yarash or something like that. The word that we've been looking at right here. And the Lord brought Abram, him, forth. Seek not that which is below, but that which is above. Set your affection on that which is above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of congregation to meet with the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting as well. The, the, the verse I'm thinking of is where the Lord tells Moses, the, the Ark of the Covenant, from here will I meet with thee, from between the wings of the cherubim. From here will I meet with thee. Okay. Um, and it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. Verse 8. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, heart turning unto the Lord to meet with the Lord, to the one whom he seeks. All right? That all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people... The Lord talked with Moses. Moses met with the Lord. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door... door Tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man 
in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Okay, hold on right there. With verse 10, verse 9 and 10. When Moses wants to meet with the Lord, commune with the Lord, when he seeks the Lord, he comes out unto the Lord. And really, the object is the Lord, not the coming out. The object is the Lord. Because if, if it was, listen, if it was all about of what's happening on the natural planet, the natural earth, then Moses could very well have gone out of one place into another different place and never have met with the Lord. Remember Isaiah, this people, they honor me with their lips. They do, they do honor me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. The object of meeting with the Lord, of seeking the Lord, of coming to the Lord, is the Lord himself. Not the Lord for, no, is the Lord, the Lord himself. Therefore, Moses came out. Came out from unto the Lord himself. Verse, uh, and everybody saw this. Every, everybody saw all that, all, all that everybody saw was that Moses left one place Where shall I put it? Moses left one spot to go to a different spot. That's all the people saw. Everyone saw it. They saw him, you know, leave the camp and go into the tabernacle. And they saw the cloudy pillar. That's all they saw. The cloudy pillar. But they never saw who's on the inside. They never saw what Moses was seeing face to face. And we're going to go ahead and read it right here. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Once again, remember what we were uh, talking about in one of the previous classes concerning the term friend? Moses knew what it was all about. The Lord speaks his mind. He speaks his heart. He speaks his purpose to his friend. The one who beholds his face. I love that. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. So here you have one who came, who sought the Lord and just remained. Purpose, once again. When heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. We behold the one who's present, who fills heaven and earth. Remember, purpose, beginning then, with, with Abram. Get thee out of thy land, er, thy country, thy land, unto a land I will show thee. What is the land that God shows? The land that is filled with his glory. But it doesn't appear that way. 
And you can say, well, we've been listening to these classes and you're saying that the, that the land of Canaan is the soul. Well, it sure doesn't look like it to me. Well, what are we looking at? Are we trying to behold something down below? Or are our hearts being directed of the Spirit of the Lord to behold Him who is above, who filleth heaven and earth. It's all the difference. It makes all the difference. Verse 12, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou, say, uh, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, the Lord said, My presence shall go with thee. And you can look at the term presence. It is, I think it's like Strong's number 6440. It's my face. You're going to continue. You're going to go in purpose. You will walk in purpose. Another way of saying it, you will walk in faith. You will walk in the light. You will walk in the truth. Okay. 3317. I'm going to look it up real quick just to. Whoops. Excuse me. That was the wrong verse. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the daughters of so and so. Let's see. V- uh, verse Exodus 33:18. No, no, no. Ah, here it is. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Now Moses is speaking more of a man, not as being the testimony of Christ in this moment, but as just a man, as a man. Desiring purpose. The purpose of God. And the Lord said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. My face shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. You will walk in purpose, and your soul shall be at rest. You will walk beholding my face, and your soul shall be at rest. Presence, Strong's number 6440. You can look at it in whatever dictionary or lexicon you want. Uh, is panim, pa, panim, something like that in, in the Hebrew. And it's basically, this. I'm just reading the Strong's definition, it means plural. But always singular, of an unused noun, pane, from 6437, the face, as the part that turns. 
used in a great uh, variety of applications, literally and figuratively, also with prepositional prefix as a preposition before, etc. The face. And the Lord said, My face shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. I'll just keep on reading it from there. And Moses said unto him, If thy face go not with me, if I do not, listen, if I do not continue in purpose, if I do not continue in the light, if I do not continue in faith, if I do not continue with my heart turned to behold him who is present, continue in purpose, if thy face Go not with me, curious not, not up hence. What is Moses saying here? What? No, Moses, what's wrong with you? It's all about Israel going into the land. It's all about this mass multitude of people taking possession of a physical land. No, it's not. It's not about what's happening on the earth. It's about purpose. Whether that soul, listen, is serving the purpose of God or not. Whether the heart and soul is serving the purpose of God or not. When the heart and soul are serving the purpose of God, then the will of God the heart and soul is accomplished. I don't want to even say that, accomplished, because then it just puts it into like, oh, God hasn't accomplished His will yet. No, yes, He has. He has accomplished everything in the person of His Son. Let's just say it this way. The heart and soul begin to abide in the peace of God. It begins to abide at rest. It begins, listen, it begins to enjoy the one who's present. It's not about the doing. Jesus of Nazareth, everybody got excited because of what they could see him do or not do. And it wasn't only the things that he could do, it was the things that he didn't do as well. But everybody got excited because they were beholding everything on the earth. And yet they were completely blind that his heart was beholding continually the face of his father. Now, I am not saying we are Jesus of Nazareth. No, no, no. What I am saying is that God created the soul for a purpose, the appearing of His Son, the risen Lord, Jesus Christ Himself. Until the soul comes to serve that purpose, it will try to find purpose in everything other. Everything, listen, less and this is where you have Paul showing up on Mars Hill and saying, gosh, I, I, I can tell you guys you're really religious. You serve a lot of idols, your concepts of God, what you believe God to be, what you believe your relationship with God to be. But yet, there's an unknown God. And I'll declare to you that unknown God. But how could Paul say that? Why? Because he was knowing the God that cannot be known. Well, how? That, that, that's a, uh, what's the 
grammatical term. I don't know. It's, impo- it's an impossibility. How can you know one who cannot be known? It is when he himself makes himself known. Because it's not by knowing by man's effort. Impossible. It's only possible with God. So, uh, back to where we were. Verse, <clears throat> Exodus 33:15. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses knew what it was about. Remember? Moses is the one who went out, who came out from the camp to meet with God face to face. Right? Now, Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Well, here's the separation. Where is the separation? How is the separation? Is it by what I wear or don't wear? Is it by how long my hair is or how short my hair is? Is it about what I do or don't do? Think or not think? No. Separation is basically when my heart is turning unto the Lord. I'm now separated unto purpose, not unto something less. There's the division. Walking in purpose, not walking, listen, in vanity. And the Lord... uh, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Verse 18, And he said, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now here it is. Now it's it's no longer testimony, but but reality being declared. Well, the testimony does declare reality, but at this moment, Moses is a man. All right? And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. It's all the mercy of God. When it has to do with purpose, it has to do with glory. It has to do with the face of the Lord. And that is all in his mercy. Verse 20, and he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And then he goes on, I'll put you in the rock, you'll see my backside, but you're not going to see my face. Okay, once again, Moses as a man, during that time, God was one place afar off, and he was completely, and Moses was completely in a different other place. And yet there's a testimony of the heart coming out unto Because it said it, we read it, the Lord spake to Moses like a man speaks to his friend face to face. But here, the Lord says, uh, where is it? Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Literally, man pre-cross, I don't know which way we want to do it, pre-cross, before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he was waiting, 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 waiting until his soul could come to purpose. In the, in the testimony, we see that testimony of souls coming to purpose. 
and therefore serving the purpose of the Lord in their generation. But no man was born again until the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. No man was born again. But in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection, I think you can read it, I'm not sure if it's like Matthew or one of the Gospels, they came forth. They came forth after his resurrection. That's when reality appeared in the soul, the very first. And all that time, until that time, they were in hope, they were in expectation. Well, the expectation for us is unto the appearing of the Lord. For us, remember once again, who are born again. God's not afar off. God's not one place or the other. No, we are purposed for this. And Moses declares it. Just, this is all I want. Let me see your glory. Let me see your face. Let me see your glory. Remember, if your face does not go with us, if we do not walk in purpose, don't even bother. Just leave us. Leave us here. Moses knew what it was all about, continuing in purpose. He came out from unto the Lord. His heart came out from the congregation unto the Lord. The Lord continually drawing, declaring purpose so that the soul, the heart and soul of the person may find Their very purpose for existing in, this, in the Lord Himself. Once again, Colossians. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek that which is above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on that which is above, not on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Set your affection on him who is above. Set your affection, listen, looking unto Jesus, unto his appearing. So, I guess we could call that class Continuing in Purpose. I'll just write it down real quick. Because that's what it's all about whether we are going to continue in purpose or whether we are going to be caught up with what is below. And God in His mercy, when we begin to be caught up with what is below, He redirects our hearts. Look now toward the heavens. And the Lord brought Him forth abroad. Look now towards the heaven. And behold the increase of this one seed. Can you even put a number on it? Can you even number the increase that filleth the heaven and the earth. No. No, you can't put a you can't put a cap on it. You, the, you cannot even fathom. But this is the seed. This is the resurrection. This is Christ Himself, the one that is to be known, the one that is to be beheld, the one that is to be seen. Look now toward the heaven, that which is above, not on the earth. Or once again, our little map. Right? Yeah. Not on the earth. Not below. But out from. Unto. The heart turning unto the Lord.
So I just wanted to share that because that's just kind of what's really on my heart. Um, ultimately, it's it's not even about learning this, seeing this in the scriptures. It's not even about doing studies. It's not even about anything. I I, I know, especially with uh, dealing with Bible school students, uh, the whole the whole drive is ministry, ministry, ministry. No, it's not about ministry at all. Moses, if your face doesn't go with us, if your presence doesn't go with, with us, if we do not continue in purpose, we don't want to continue. Moses knew what it was about, continuing in purpose. It was all about the purpose of the Lord and continuing in the purpose of the Lord, the appearing of the one who's present, about nothing less, about nothing less. So, there you go. Sorry, I'm still trying to wipe the dust off of my hands from the chalk. Um, we'll go ahead and end for this class uh, and just... Let's just, I guess, cry out to the Lord in our heart that He would just do that which is necessary to prepare the ground of our heart to turn to behold the One who's present. And find everything we've ever sought for and never knew we sought for in the face of Christ Himself. Amen? Amen, okay. Well, here, we'll go for this class. We'll let you all go, and we'll see you in our next class. Lord bless. Amen.